Hey now, everybody. Barry Don Mars here, and welcome to a special edition of Mars's Mixtape. Uh, this episode, we are going to focus on the uh, live concert from 1985 called Live Aid. This was a global uh, concert uh, that had participants from uh, all over the world, uh, but mainly the two big stages were in Philadelphia um, and uh, one in London at Webley Stadium. So this is such a big... Uh, broad topic. There's a lot to uh, discuss, and I couldn't handle it all by myself. So I invited somebody to uh, join me, an expert on uh, the 80s uh, uh, music and 80s culture, um, knows every line to every uh, Duran Duran song, good and bad, mostly bad, but there's some good ones. <laughs> uh, we have Sarka Sim here. So welcome, Sarka, to the to Mars's Mixtape. Thanks for having me. The first guest on Mars's Mixtape. Yes, I feel honored. Well, I'm honored to have you. Oh, thank you. All right, now that we've had everyone throw up a little bit in their mouth, <laughs> uh, swallow that down, because we're going to talk about Live Aid. So before we get into the music performances, we mostly want to focus on the music performances, uh, but we do have to acknowledge that this concert was a benefit concert for a uh, human tragedy that was happening in North Africa at the time. Uh, these uh, smaller African nations, um, mostly in the Sudan and Ethiopia, uh, were suffering from uh, a, a huge famine. Uh, there was a drought that uh, went to contribute to this um, a tragedy of uh, three years worth of uh, drought. But uh, a lot of it was also uh, glo the global market. I really had their hand in uh, what was going on. They convinced all these smaller nations to um, grow cotton instead of food and import uh, grain. Uh, and these uh, smaller nations were so good so efficient at uh, growing cotton that they actually created a surplus in the market, which drove cotton prices down. And these uh, countries then had to borrow money to buy grain, and it put these countries in huge debt. Uh, there was also um, civil war that was going on in Ethiopia. Uh, it was just a complete uh, uh, mess on a humanitarian level. And, um, you know, so it wasn't wasn't just drought. Uh, there is um, also some controversy on how much or how little Live Aid actually did uh, to help this uh, cause, uh, help uh, alleviate this cause, and not actually help with the, <laughs> with the famine, but help uh, uh, the people in need to get uh, food. Uh, I've done my research. I've looked at everything. Uh, despite all the controversy, I believe that everything, uh, that this thing did help uh, in the long run. And they did do uh, their diligence in ensuring that uh, a drought like this uh, wouldn't hinder these people again. They, you know, they put uh, their thinking caps on and made sure to uh, give them not just food, but give them the uh, ability to grow their own food and irrigate water and all that. But go ahead, go on the Wikipedia page, go and look online at some articles, come to your own conclusion, but I just had to be on my little soapbox here and say that they did a good job. I think they did an excellent job. Me? Uh, I, I do. I, I 
Bob Geldof, who headed this whole spearheaded this whole thing, uh, he went forward and organized this thing with passion, and I think that he did what he set out to do. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, now that you mentioned Bob Geldof, let's just uh, start at the beginning of the um, of how this whole live aid uh, came to be. It started in uh, November of 1984. There was a documentary on the BBC about this uh, famine that was happening in Africa, and uh, Bob decided to uh, do something about it. Uh, he had a, he was the lead singer of the Boomtown Rats, who had a, a few uh, hit songs here and there. Yeah. And uh, he decided to use his star power and grab some star friends together mm-hmm. to do a song. Uh, they banded together. They called themselves Band-Aid and included uh, members such as. <laughs> so um, so he, yeah, he banded together with his best friend, uh, Midge Ur, who is from, <laughs> from Ultravox. <laughs> yes. um, so they ha- had him help with uh, the, the production. Um George Michael, Boy George, Sting, uh, Chick. We have uh, Bananarama. Bananarama. They were in the front. Uh, Phil Collins, uh, Spando Ballet. Um, we have Style Council uh, with Paul Weller. Um, uh, status Quo. <laughs> um, and Did you say Sting? Sting. What about uh, your boyfriend there, too? Didn't you mention him? George Michael. No. Oh, the short, Duran. <laughs> no, no, the other one. The other one? The short Irish guy. Oh, <laughs> you too. <laughs> Was all you two there or just Bono? Uh, I think they were all there. They were? Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know what the other guys look like. I only know right, okay. I only know Bono and uh, the Edge's bald spot. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. And there were various others, but uh, pretty much... Uh, you mentioned all, all the big ones. It, w- it was all last minute, and it was whoever they could call, all of his of Bob's friends, uh, whoever could band together, uh, Paul Young, um, whoever they could get... In the yeah. London area. It was yeah. done in London, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Boy George was flown from, uh, I think he was in New York at the time, and they flew him in, but he was friends with Bob, so, you know. There you go. But um, originally, so they they got them all together, and originally the uh, the top person that ended up singing uh, the top lines. Closer to the mic. Sorry. There you go. Um, was uh, Paul Young, but originally I think who they had in mind was uh, was uh, David Bowie. Oh, but how come Bowie wasn't there? What's he up with that? He couldn't make it. I think he was on tour. Oh, nice I excuse. S- <laughs> come on. I I seem to remember uh, seeing video of him saying how sorry he was that he wasn't able to make it, right. but that he was happy that Paul Young had taken the lead mm-hmm. because he was a good uh, good friend too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, and um, yeah, so. And they all banded together and performed together and sang and yeah they did a video it went on to be a huge hit yes, uh, they raised a lot of money mm-hmm. um, while they were recording this uh, apparently boy George went up to uh, Bob Geldof and said uh, you know this is all great and this is good and everything but we should also do a concert that would be the natural progression of this thing is that we all get together and do a concert um, and Bob said yeah that's great. Great idea, boy, George. Why don't you take the ball and uh, run with it? <laughs> and uh, instead, it, it became Bob's uh, uh, duty to get this thing uh, together. So it was all very last minute, hastily put together from uh, December 
uh, when the when the th- album came out and became a hit. It was really a single. It was a single, and yeah. it came out became a huge hit. Yeah. Uh, the American side, they did their version, "We Are the World." Right. Yes. That was in January. Yes. Because because uh, the Band Aid song was kind of a Christmas tune. Yeah, and it was meant to be released as a Christmas tune. Right. And then, uh, of course, USA for Africa. Right. They all got together in, with, in uh, January, and you had um, what's his name? Who's the big uh, Quincy Jones? Quincy Jones. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, put that together, he put and that together. you had a lot of big. The heavy hitters. hitters yeah. uh, uh, you had uh, Paul Simon and Michael Jackson and. Diana Ross and Kenny Rogers, uh, Lionel Richie. Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, yeah. Bo- uh, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen and uh, Bob Dylan, uh, all of the heavy hitters. Hey, what about the greatest combo in that? You had Huey Lewis and Cyndi Lauper together on the mic. Right. Good times. Right. There comes a time when we heed a certain call, when the world must come together as one There are people dying Oh, when it's time to lend a hand to life The greatest gift of all We can't go on Pretending day by day That someone, somewhere will soon make a change all a part of God's great big family and the truth you know love is all we
I gotta say though, Bruce, my, Bruce Springsteen on that. They, they every they every didn't, time they he didn't give him the right. They, they shouldn't have had him sing that part. Every time he comes in, it's like, oh man, he's I know. he's just pushing a little too hard. I know, and he he's an excellent singer. They shouldn't have had him yeah. sing that, but whatever. Um, but that went on to be a huge hit as well. This all mm-hmm. carried momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was several other countries that had their own versions. Uh, you can see them on the DVD extras. One that is not included, though. Surprisingly, Canada. Canada's version, which was Tears is Not Enough. What's up with that? How come Canada didn't get the their song on there? Probably rights issue or something like I that. Didn't, I didn't look to see when uh, Tears Are Not Enough was uh, released, but I'm figuring it was around that time. It had to have been. February 10th, 1985. Oh. It was released May 1st, 1985. So it was recorded in February and released it's in May 85. Yeah. So that was before um, And it was uh, spearheaded by David Foster. He was a f- producer. Right in that Alex. microphone, baby. There you go. You can't hear me? I can hear you. You're just oh, okay. off mic, and I'm, I'm such a professional. I demand <laughs> okay. nothing but... Pro- so, yeah, David Foster was... Uh, you can move the mic closer to you if it's more comfortable. There you go. And uh, Brian Adams. Yep. Uh, Paul Hyde and Bob Rock. Bob Rock. They, they helped uh, songwrite. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, with that, I don't know if anyone's heard uh, Tears Are Not Enough, but uh, Neil Young... Mm-hmm. It has something going on similar to what Bruce Springsteen does. He? Through. Oh man! You know, I haven't listened to that song in a long time, so maybe yeah. we'll maybe we'll throw in a little bit of that uh, in here. But like the heavy hitters in the music industry in yeah. Canada were all there. We have, uh, you know, um, what's his name? Paul Cockburn. Bruce Con- uh, Cockburn. Uh, you have Bruce Coburn. You Cockburn. Have, uh, <laughs> Tom Tom Cockring. No, what's his name? Is Tom Cockring in that? Hang on a second. Oh, performers. Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, Lightfoot. And and, and uh, Burton Cummings, Ann Murray, Joni Mitchell, Dan Hill, Corey Hart. Dan Hill. How'd they get him? Getty Lee's in there. Oh, nice. Mike Reno from Loverboy. Reno. Oscar Peterson. The Oscar Peterson? The Oscar Peterson. Nice. Uh, then we have the French-speaking uh, Veronique Beliveau. And Zappa Costa, Del okay. Bello. I mean, I could go Yeah, on. everyone's uh, tuning out to these obscure Canadian artists. Was Lu- <laughs> did Luba get in there? Uh, Luba's not here. Yeah, she wasn't big yet. She was waiting to get on that sexy Quebec uh, TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, <laughs> moving on. Every day goes by. How can we close our eyes? Until we open up our
singles and everything were all built up to this concert that was uh, going to happen on July 2nd? No. It's July 13th, 1985. My notes are kind of all over the place here. July 13th, 1985. That was a Saturday. A Saturday. Um... And it was billed as the Global Jukebox. This was going to... There was a lot of... um, uh, interesting ideas that they had for their show. Of course, the execution, it was just too much uh, to, uh, to do, um, especially at the time and the um, technology that they had at the time. Even now, there is a big satellite delay. They wanted to have um, uh, Mick Jagger on stage in Philly and David and Bowie, Bowie on stage in London, and they do a, uh, a, a duo, duet, duet over yeah. satellite, but the, there's, the satellite delay was just too much. That would have been interesting to see. But considering the technology they had at the time, the time constraint that they had to put this together, they the, this was really a feat. Uh, that was <laughs> incredible. It was an incredible feat to put this all together. They had sat links uh, not only in the U.S. and uh, in London, but uh, they also had contributions from the Soviet Union, <laughs> Canada, Japan, Yugoslavia, Australia, Australia. Austria, and West Germany. Uh, and uh, they were all contributing uh, little portions here and there while stages were being set up in other areas and that not everything there there was overlap uh, sometimes you know they had two concerts going on at the same, same time, time. Yep. so th- um, the TV rights were kind of all over the place mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it was broadcast on MTV in uh, the states a and lot of, ABC okay ABC had the primetime rights for it which apparently created a lot of uh, headache and confusion because ABC wanted a lot of the primetime acts, yep. you know, a lot of the big acts, mm-hmm. and they replayed a lot of acts earlier from the day while there was live stuff going on. Um, it's not like today where there was just a channel that they could dedicate to all this stuff other than MTV, but MTV only had certain rights because right. they had to give over to ABC. Mm-hmm. Much music, I believe, aired everything in full uh, that they could. 
they did have to run ads. And uh, just to get on to how um, we're able to watch this now, mm-hmm. um, there was a DVD released in 2004. Mm-hmm. At the time when Live Aid happened, um, Bob Geldof told everybody, you know, this is going to be like a one-time deal. It's going to be a one-time broadcast. It's not going to be preserved or anything like that. Um, but people, you know, had VCRs, they were recording them in it. And uh, as the internet was growing and video was getting more and more of a tangible thing to, uh, have on the internet, uh, people were posting videos of live aid. Mm-hmm. And so Bob Geldof finally recanted and said, you know what? Let's find what footage we can of it and, uh, let's package it together into a, a DVD. Um, so a lot of it is from television broadcasts, or most of it is from television mm-hmm. broadcasts. Uh, what what they had recorded, the BBC preserved a lot of what they had on their end. The Philly stuff is kind of all over the place. Some of it was ABC, but ABC erased a lot of it apparently, uh, and MTV kept a lot of the performances as well. So what we have uh, now in 2004, or at 2004, this DVD release was a 10-hour basically a bridged version of the concert. It doesn't have absolutely everything. Nope. You can go on YouTube and find more performances, more uh, songs that were done. A lot of it is just like they have one track on the DVD. Meanwhile, they did, you know, maybe four or five, some of these acts. Um, so you can go and check those out, but we're just going to focus on just for brevity's sake. Cause we'll be here all day. We'll just focus <laughs> on, uh, the actual DVD package. And mm-hmm. it's also on what's on the DVD is a little bit out of order. Um, so where the DVD, for instance, starts, um, like the American broadcast starts, uh, they, uh, I believe the DVD starts with, um, the American one. Yeah, I wrote it down here. It's Brian Adams. Yeah, it's Brian Adams on the DVD, but in reality, apparently Tom Petty was the first oh, act. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, according to Wikipedia. Oh, so okay. So according to Wikipedia, Tom Petty was the first act. Um, so it's, there's those kind of things. So if we, if you're, I don't know, used to the the real thing, the real life, and you're, you're not wondering why, get it here. <laughs> yeah, if you're wondering why we're jumping all over the place, it's because we're going with the DVD order, and they probably did that because they can only fit so much on poor DVD. It's a four DVD set, so. Uh, so with that understanding, let's get into it. July 13th, 1985, started at noon, London time, yep. which was 7 a.m. Philly time. Yep. Uh, so the London portion of the show was going to handle uh, the first four hours or so until Philly uh, started um, contributing about four hours in. Um, very um, crazily put together a set just from you know watching this DVD for the first time in a long time. We watched it when we first got it. Mm-hmm. I guess we should mention too. This is the first time we watched it since 2004, probably. Yeah, you got this for for me for Christmas. Oh, I did. So you remember all this stuff. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was like, oh, they're, they're releasing these on DVD. Mm. I have to buy this. Right. I yeah. have to get this. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, you're hard to buy for. I'm going to get this for, for, for Christmas. For Christmas, yeah. <laughs> So we probably haven't watched it since 2005. I don't think so. Standard Def TV yeah, and, um, yeah. uh, in, our, in our old house in Barrie, back when we That's lived right. beside Bill. Yeah. Uh, so this was the first time we watched it in a long time. Yep. 
Uh, and there was a lot of stuff I forgot, so it's good. It was good fun mm-hmm. trip down memory lane. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the first band, uh, and I was so happy that they started with a boogie rock band because I too. think you need to start with some something like boogie rock that's just universally tr- uh, good. Makes um, you feel good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the first band was Status Quo, mm-hmm. and uh, their song, uh, their first track that they did was "Rockin' All, all Over the, the World." world. Yeah. Very appropriate track. Yep. I'm not familiar with status quo at all. Yeah. But um, seeing the lead singer and guitarist, I recognize them from Band Aid. So oh th- yeah, that's video. right. There. So when there. I yeah. when I watched Band Aid, you know, yeah. I I could never figure out those two guys. There's uh, the guitarist has that fluffy blonde hair. And uh, the singer has a has a ponytail. Ponytail. And I could never yeah. figure out who. who there they are. Two. They're the guys. They're from the status guys from quo. Status Quo. So, let's <laughs> listen to "Rocking All Over the World" from awesome. Status Quo.
Oh, I guess I should mention too, just just from a television because I'm a TV guy. Uh, they put these guys. Uh, they put the TV guys, the camera guys. There's a lot of wires and all that. Surprisingly, amount of wires, uh, considering this was 1985. Yes. Um, but I guess a lot of groups were still hooked on um, wires. The wires. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them didn't trust uh, the um, wireless uh, mics or uh, guitar packs or whatever, and they mm-hmm. insisted on having wires. Mm-hmm. And the TV guys had wires. So every television camera had a camera operator and a guy uh, walking around with, with the wires. Like, he'd have them, you know, wrapped up in that. So to That's make sure right. that they don't get tangled in with the bands and all that, it was, um, you know, they had to be organized. And they put them in these uh, white outfits yep. in order to blend with in the with background. the background, right? Yep. So you don't see them. <laughs> but they were... Uh, unflattering on some of these guys some of these, these teamster guys they got some big guts and yeah, yeah some of them were way like it was obvious like you're not looking you're not supposed to be looking at them they're supposed yeah. to blend with the background but man they're hard not to notice oof. some of them you know comic comic store guy <laughs> with the big gut and the tight t-shirt um, yeah uh so next up was uh style the style council yes uh, the walls come tum- tumbling down. That was one of the, the that tracks that they uh, their big song. Yeah, and uh, Style Council. The lead singer of that is Paul Weller from the Jam. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. that. All right. Yeah, and he is now pursuing a solo career, quite successful one. Mm. I have a few of his CDs if you want to listen. We'll see. <laughs> Um, I didn't write down anything special about the style. So if there's any tracks that you want to hear, you just let me know. You know, if there's a, if you got like anything highlighted or whatever. Yeah, I, I highlight walls come tumbling down because that one. Man, do you think I should play that one? No, it was good. It I was good. It. You liked it. Yeah. All right. So walls come tumbling down yeah. by Style Council. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs>
Dennis, let's get to the uh, the buildup of this thing. Um, when you were like, do you remember uh, any of the hype or anything? Oh uh, gosh. Oh yes. I mean, I know you were you were very very young. Uh, you were. I so. You were a tadpole. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the buildup, Band-Aid, um, my stepfather, at the time he was dating my mom and he lived, uh, he lived alone. He was a bachelor and he had access to a large uh, satellite dish and he would tape all sorts of MTV for us and he'd come and visit us on weekends. And this is how we, my sister and I, uh, learned about Band-Aid and we were ravenous fans of Duran Duran and U2 and Madonna. And when we saw Band-Aid on screen, we were just screaming. <laughs> um, and then the buildup to Live Aid, you just sort of learn about it. Mm-hmm. And um, we, I wanted to see this thing. And it was, like you said, it was like last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and July 13th, 1985, I was... 10. I wasn't quite 11 yet. I was oh. going to turn 11. Uh, but that day, I was leaving for Baptist camp. <laughs> and uh, When you say you were 10, you were 10 months, right? No. <laughs> no, I was a little older than I that. Forget it. But <laughs> 10 months. Yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, and uh, I was leaving for camp, and I needed this thing taped. Oh, I see. So you, so you didn't watch it live? You watched the tape? Oh, I, I, I watched as much as I could live, but because it started, I think, at, I don't know, at noon or something, they started broadcasting it. I don't know. I can't remember, but I didn't watch very much of it live mm. because I had to get ready to go to camp. Mm. And I was just so frustrated because I wanted to see Duran Duran. Right, yeah. Uh, and uh, I wasn't able to, so I had to rely on the goodness of my parents, to uh, of my mom or my uh, stepdad to, to tape Live Aid. And so, of course, I, you know, the SLP tape eight hours, so... You, you put it in there for right. eight hours and you bogart the, the TV and you hope that it, it's not disturbed. And thankfully, my mom respected that. <laughs> so you were able to tape it at your mom's house? Your mom had the, the cable? Okay. Yeah. She, she uh, well, it was George that paid for it. But yeah, right. we had we had pay TV, thankfully. Right. Uh, to, wa- to watch much music. Um, and so, you know. It was just one of those things where it's like, well, to eight-hour tape, and can you switch it off? You know, put it, put in, put in another tape, and yeah, record, yeah. So that that's how that worked out. So you're just just basically, you know, giving yourself to the fates and hope that uh, nothing screws up. And thankfully, it it was fine. I got to see Duran Duran. So. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Phew. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't see much of it. We had to leave. We had to go. I had to go to camp, and mm. I miss, I wasn't able to watch it for, uh, you know, a whole week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was your um when you finally did get to watch it? Was it like exactly like how you you dreamt it to be, or uh, well, no, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't. So, uh, I, because I was only, I was only 10, 10 I, months, uh, <laughs> 10 months. I, I only, you know, was interested in certain acts. Mm-hmm. I wasn't interested in every oh, single act. Yeah. So it was like, where's Duran Duran? Let's so fa- go. A lot of fast forwarding. A lot of fast forwarding mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of disinterest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't into any of those people. And I knew about 
a lot of them, especially the British British acts mm-hmm. like U2 um, and Brian Adams. And, you know, I I knew of them, but I really wasn't interested in, in them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see certain acts, Madonna, uh, Duran Duran. That's it. Pretty much. That was where I was honing in on my, you know. What about U2? Oh, well, you know, U2 was there, but I wasn't a fan mm-hmm. back then. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit uh, later. Um, for, for myself, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we, I think our tells I got back, back then. Well, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think our uh, television uh, only went up to Channel 13. So if we did see any of it, it would have been the national uh, broadcast. And I think I remember my Aunt Jennifer, who was in her 20s at the time. I think I remember her coming over to watch it with my mom. Oh, okay. Just to kind of experience it with someone else. Um, but, you know, at the time, my music thing was really just the videos that they would play on the CBC. Remember they had that video show? Was it Good Rock Intonate or was it Video Some, Hits? Or video something? Hits yeah, sounds, okay. sounds right. It was yeah. They played it at like noon or something. So you'd watch it if you stayed home from school. I remember that, yeah. And they would play like David Lee Roth and Cindy Lauper, Michael Jackson, Huey Lewis and the News. That was my like avenue to this music. So hearing it live or whatever, it just mm-hmm. really wasn't like... You know, I knew who Phil Collins was, but mm-hmm. I, it just, yeah. So I don't. I think mm-hmm. I was probably playing with my toys or something like that at the time. So I never. I have to say though, you know, we did have pay TV, but I wasn't allowed to watch TV yeah. much, and uh, this was mostly because of my stepfather that was into sports. That was his only avenue because in Sudbury, like you said, the, the channel channels only went up to channel thirteen unless you paid for extra. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, so after Style Council, we had uh, Bob Geldof himself with, uh, with, with the Boomtown Rats. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we can do this without playing um, I Don't Like Monday, right? Tell me what I don't like Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here is Bob Geldof with I Don't Like Mondays. And here now is the band that's led by the man who was the Spock, Bob Geldof and the Boomtown Rats. Down. 
Teletelex machine is kept so clean and the types to a waiting world. A mother feels so shocked by this world is rocked and the thoughts turn to their own little girl. Sweet 16 ain't a peachy king. Well, it ain't so neat to admit defeat. They can see no reasons, but there are no reasons. What reasons do you how he ended, ends that song with today is the best day of my life. I just realized today is the best day of my life. That's such a, I don't know, that was such a really good moment. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, next up, we had Adam Ant. Yeah. Any, anything to say about Adam Ant? Not really. All right. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not, I was never really a big fan of Adam Ant at all. And I don't know anything other than what I saw on the DVD. Okay. Um, <laughs> Ultravox was next with your... With Midjur. Gesundheit. Uh, and he, he sang Vienna. Uh, there isn't much to really... And Dancing with Tears in My Eyes. He did, he did do that one. Um, there isn't really much to say about. I'll be honest. I kind of fast forward through that a oh, little bit. Did you? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, come on. Sorry. It just, it wasn't, uh, wasn't my thing. Uh, next up was, uh, Spandu, Spandex Ballet. Spandau Ballet. Spandex Ballet. And they, uh, they, they did... are a total Duran Duran clone. <laughs> true is their one song and they did a very nice job on that. I oh, really like that. True. True. All right. Shall we listen to True. Let's listen to True. Uh, okay, here we go. True on Mars's mixtape. This next song is pretty special to us, but it's special to you too, to the world. You know this. I want you to sing along with me, alright?
Okay, after uh, Spandu Ballet, Elvis Costello. Spandu. What is it? Spandex? Spandex. 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 Spandex Band. Uh, they after that was Elvis Costello. Yeah. Did a, a remake. He did a a version. A version. Okay. Sure. An acoustic version of an old English folk melody. So let's listen to that right now. Live Aid, Wembley, and the world. Welcome, please, Elvis Costello. This old Northern English folk song. There's nothing you can do that can't be done. There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung. Nothing you can say, but you can learn how to play the game. It's easy. Love 
Okay, after uh, Elvis, he only did the one song. Uh, there was uh, Nick Kershaw. Mm-hmm. I made no notes on him. <laughs> so Nick Kershaw is uh, popular because of uh, his song, Wouldn't It Be Good? Right in the mic. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yep. Nick Kershaw. Yeah, there you go. Nick Kershaw is uh, popular in the 80s for his song, Wouldn't It Be Good? And uh, it was in Pretty in Pink. Oh, okay. The, the movie. Okay. Um, yeah. But we can skip him, right? He did nothing. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Sade. 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 <laughs> Sade. I, was a, I was a bit... Sade. I was a... I, it was nice to see Sade, but I was a bit surprised to see her on stage. I don't know why. Like You were surprised? It, yeah, it seemed like she was a... You know, her... I guess her stylings. Mm. And I love her music. I have I have some of her CDs, but uh, you know it was just sort of out of place with the other artists at, in the sequence. So I don't know I don't know if you know because of the the sequence on the DVD is different. Yeah, it could be. Could I don't be. know, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, I I wrote down uh, so far in total the sexy uh, sax uh, solo count is three. <laughs> There's a lot of saxophone in these in these oh, yeah. 80s bands. A lot Lots, of a lot of synth too. Synth, yeah, synth I, I remember, but man, it's so much saxophone. Uh, next up was Sting. No police. The police were probably broken up by this point, right? 85. Yeah, he was pursuing so he, a solo career. He was solo Sting. Um, I noticed that he he was up there with a of course a guy with like one of them clarinet sax things both of them were wearing very white very wrinkled pants and shirt that was the linen look the linen look from from that era like if you'll notice a lot a lot of british artists in video they were taking from uh, you know uh, indiana jones that whole you know you're in the sahara desert indiana jones yeah like i don't know wearing fedoras and carrying whips yeah and you're you're in the desert (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, um, yeah, they, he did a version of uh, Roxanne. Yes. And did. then Phil Collins comes out mm-hmm. with him. Yep. Plays a great version. I'll say this about Phil Collins. This was uh, he was a, one of the highlights of this entire uh, production. He comes out, plays a uh, solo piano version of Against All Against No Odds. Against all odds. All odds? I wrote down no. Okay. Against all odds. Uh, on piano. Even though he made a mistake, um, for some reason they, I should, we should get, should I do that now? What's that? Uh, there was a uh, thing posted by, um, uh, an article posted by uh, the, the New York Post uh, that said their top five um, worst performances <laughs> from Live what? Aid. Yeah, the top five worst performances for Live Aid. And they put this Phil Collins one on the list because he makes one mistake on the piano. Oh, come on. I thought it was a great, genuine moment because it's a moment where you know that he's playing live. He makes a mistake. He makes a little face. Everybody laughs and he moves on and he and he nails the rest of the performance. That's why I like him. 
that's why that's why I like this this entire show because you can tell everything is live, live really live. Live, yes. yeah. There's no no editing. There's no nothing. Tuning. There's none so of that. I I enjoy those mistakes. But mm-hmm. anyways, so let's listen to that because it was such a good version. Okay, good. Right, here we go. Phil Collins against all odds. This is called against all odds. Just let you walk away Just let you leave without a trace When I stand here taking every breath with you So then after that, him and Sting did a version of Every Breath You Take, which was okay. No need to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all right. Yeah. 
Uh, that next was uh, Howard Jones. Howard Jones, <laughs> the Hojo. Hojo. Uh, yeah. I the only note I made is uh, that's when I left the room to make a fruit salad. I was craving some fruit salad. <laughs> he's not everyone's flavor, but uh, I he he's a whip on the piano. That's the mm-hmm. note I make. Uh, I made. I uh, I enjoyed his uh, music from the eighties. I thought he did an okay job here, uh, but I. I think that he is one, he is one of the the best uh, pianists. He, he can really he can really perform. Yeah. Where's my Beavis and Butthead? <laughs> and then and then we have Brian Ferry. Brian Ferry was next. Uh, and do you know Brian Ferry? Uh, I know that he did a cover of John Lennon's uh, "Jealous Guy." You know him from uh, Roxy Music? Nope. Yeah, he was the lead singer of Roxy Music. Okay. okay. Well, here he did a cover of John Lennon's uh, <laughs> Jealous Guy. He carries two mics together. Yeah. And every time yeah. he would slap, like he would clap his hands holding the two mics yeah. and make this big, it was like every time. Yeah, right. yeah that's great to listen I, to. I made note of that too. And I, Is it because they were afraid one of the mics was going to... It's probably his thing. He probably uh, wanted a stereo sound. Oh, okay. So, oh, two mono mics. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Probably his thing. Probably his thing. Okay. Um. And here we are with Paul Young. Paul Young. Yeah, he was next. Um, and he and he brought out a singer, Alison Moyette. Alison Moyet. Moyet. Yeah. The T is silent. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. Stay for good this time. He sang that, and every time you go away. Yeah. Jesus, I can't silently tell you to go into the mic. <laughs> wow. Sorry, uh, yes, did I every blow time. You out of the water? Yeah, you did. Every time you go away, I noticed a uh, an inflated condom float by. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, <right>. That happened. <laughs> well, Alison Moyer had uh, she she sang with uh, Yaz Yazoo. I don't know wherever you live. It depends. The the the. Uh, the band that she's known to perform with was Yaz. And um, so she embarked on a solo career. Mm. And um, we, my sister and I used to make fun of her voice because it sounded a lot like a goat. <laughs> 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 but anyways. All right. So, oh, there was really nothing that stood out from that no, performance. No. Uh, no. So they, now uh, the Philly stage has uh, joined in, emceed by Jack Nicholson. That was, that pretty, was cool. pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty mm-hmm. cool. See Jack up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on the DVD, uh, they had uh, Brian Adams. Yes. Uh, so I I was actually um, I wrote down I applauded because uh, Brian Adams did uh, some boogie rock. So I was like, oh, that's a great way to start the. But apparently he didn't really start the one. Apparently it was Tom Petty. Oh. Uh, yeah. Okay. But uh, on the DVD it was Brian Adams, and. Uh, yeah, I was I was actually really impressed. I with thought Brian he did Adams. an awesome job. I got to I got to agree. I'm yeah. not a huge Brian Adams fan. The uh, '90s Mutt Lang years really tainted a lot of Brian Adams for me. <laughs> I can't stand a lot of that stuff. But yeah. this is pre Mutt Lang, Brian Adams, fresh, just him. Yeah, yeah, summer of '69. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I made note that his guitarist. Yes. Had a tears are not enough T-shirt on the Canadian. The Canadian. Version. We are the world. Yeah, That's we right. are the world. Yeah. 
So that was pretty cool. And uh, him and uh, Neil Young were the only two Canadian acts, I believe. Yeah. That made the DVD anyways. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering now why Canada wasn't more of a part of this. I don't know. Like, was it Brian Mulrooney? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I don't know. It was probably just the timing that Brian Mulrooney was our prime minister at the time for you American. Uh, I'm just kidding, of course. Not uh, not a beloved prime minister. Very conservative. Um, Okay, so after that, we went back to uh, London and the band that a lot of the crowd was waiting for <laughs> yes she's nodding her head yes uh there was a lot of flags uh, waving around with, uh, w- with, with the words you too on it and uh yeah they came out um oh man and they, the performance Woo. let me tell you it's awesome they say the camera adds 10 pounds the t- camera added 10 pounds to the edge's bald spot because you could see that thing from the Goodyear blimp that was flying by. <laughs> As a bald man, I can relate. That's, and that was really the only note I took. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I thought they did uh, okay. I'm not a big U2 guy, not a huge U2 I, uh, fan, well, but Sarah is. I am, yeah. and I, I liked Bono's uh, uh, stage presence. Yeah, he went into the crowd. You didn't find that a little creepy though, when he was like hugging those girls and sexual harassment. Well, Bondo, now it's Mono. a Me Too movement, yeah. but uh, back then it was, uh, you know, it showed him loving his fans. Yeah. And, well, know. apparently, um, okay. So at, at he, they did one. What was the first song they did? They uh, Sunday the Bloody Sun- Sunday. Sunday Bloody. And the Sunday. second one they did was a song called Bad. Yes. Which I don't know, but yeah. um, during that song. Uh, he goes down to there's there was like the main stage and then there's this lower stage. He goes down to the lower stage and he starts pointing to the crowd. Yeah, and he's telling it. Well, on the DVD you can't really tell what's going on, but apparently what's happening is he's telling the um uh, bouncers to pull this girl out of the crowd because she was being crushed at the front. So he was actually, so eventually he got frustrated because they were pulling the wrong girls out. Yep. So he went down there and he got her out of the crowd uh, himself, uh, which was, is, is pretty cool. Uh, moment she credits him for saving his life you know but who knows what and who knows if that's actually true but whatever uh it was a pretty cool moment uh and then the two girls that the um bouncers took out of the crowd he went and hugged them as well right so he gave he gave everyone a hug so it was a feel-good moment feel-good moment mm-hmm. um but if you're just watching it on the dvd like i was before reading all this is kind of like does this he does he do this all the time he pulls girls out of the crowd and feels <laughs> them up <laughs> on stage <laughs> No, I I I saw it from a different perspective, I guess, as a fan. You yeah. know, thinking if I were of that age, and mm. you know, I would would have thought, oh my goodness, I would have been starstruck. I think. Yeah. Well, apparently it was a genuine moment, and he was helping those uh, girls in the crowd, and and, and 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 because of that, the song was extended to something like 14 minutes because mm-hmm. the band was just in a loop at that time while he was doing all that stuff. And so they ended up only doing two songs and they right. were supposed to do three. So a little bit of trivia, trivia for you. Uh, shall we play a U2 song? Yeah. Which should, Let's can we play Sunday the shorter one? Sunday. Yeah, we'll do the shorter yeah. one. Yeah. So people don't have to listen to that because okay. it's fun to watch, but mm-hmm. to listen to. So right. 
Here is... Oh, you know what? Let's play... We didn't play Brian Adams. So let's play a Brian Adams number. Which one should we play? Well, Summer of 69. Summer of 69. So let's play Brian Adams, Summer of 69. And then we'll do you 2 Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Here on Mars' Mixtape.
Okay, so just to peel back the curtains here a little bit, um, we intended this to be a one-off uh, show, and uh, it turns out when you add in the music, it goes on for uh, much longer than I originally intended. And instead of cutting stuff out, um, I decided to leave everything in and make this a three-part series. So this here marks the end of part one, and we will continue on part two. I'm not sure when it's going to post this kind of... I'm using these episodes to help us uh, fill in the gaps uh, for when we need it. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, let me know. I think I'll make a, a spot in the forums under the Retro Fandango uh, spot, and I'll put um, uh, put uh, uh, a posting for all the episodes, uh, all the live uh, aid episodes. So there'll be a total of three, and uh, I hope you enjoyed part one. Let me know. Uh, you can let me know on the forums or let me know on um, on Twitter. I'm at uh, Buried on Mars, Buried underscore on underscore Mars. And you can also let Sarka Sim know how you enjoyed the episode, at Sarka underscore, underscore Sim. Uh, you can also uh, check out our blogs. Uh, Sarka Sim uh, blog is caughtmegaming.wordpress.com, and I'm at buriedonmars.wordpress.com. Thank you guys so much for listening to uh, episode one or part one of the live aid special of mars's mixtape and we'll do it again for part two